Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Also, follow us everywhere on social at DIY Money Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the video on YouTube. We've got some awesome bonus content there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. Yeah. Money, 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 oh, wait. money, money. DIY Money. I have missed you, Daniel. Where have you been? I've I've actually had to sit over there. Really? It was awkward. Why? Because I kept trying to look that way. <laughs> well, I have been uh, traveling. I completed the first of two races that have been on the docket for me. I got to tell you, I'm just going to just kind of do a little humble brag here first. First race on the docket, Atlantic City Half Marathon. It was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. First of all, I highly recommend Atlantic City. I have never been to the boardwalk. I've been to an area of Atlantic City called Absecon, kind of a little part, like a little island resort area. But this was like 20 years ago. My understanding of the boardwalk was, I always thought it was a dump. Like, you had Boardwalk Empire in the 30s, that mm-hmm. amazing show. Obviously, it wasn't set, you know, set in the 30s, whatever. Awesome show. You haven't seen that? You saw it? Uh, parts of it, yeah. Fantastic. So you had the Boardwalk Empire that's like the glamorous, you know, mafia-style boardwalk, early-age casinos. And then you have, like, when Trump pulled out and those casinos went bankrupt and it's like, Awful is my understanding. I think everyone knows that I'm gone. A lot of people say when I left, that's when it went bad. But it's not. It's very nice. I mean, it's it has its parts. Don't get me wrong. It's kind of like Vegas. You know, Vegas has its areas on the strip that you want to avoid. But it's very, very nice. And I would say a place where I would take the family. The boardwalk is amazing. It's miles long. I didn't know that either. Hmm. So the race, relatively flat. Huge Boston qualifier. So we had massive amounts of people running the full. Huge amounts. Flat. The weather, I think, was 50 degrees, something like that. Nice. Wind, for the most part, my understanding, 75% was at our backs. I don't know how that worked out, but it did. And 144.55. Nice. Fire. I was pumped. When I realized that I could break 145, which was around the mile 8 mark or so, I turned it up, and the last two miles were 7.40 and 7.30. Are you proud? That's pretty awesome. I'm pumped. I love it. Look at great. So New York City coming up in a couple weeks. Probably by the time this airs, I'll be, I'll be, it'll be over, you think? Cutting it close. So anyways, that's, I'm excited about that. It was awesome. I hated to be missing the podcast, and Logan did an amazing job. You're into fantasy football, which is yeah, like you've not been listening, ridiculous. Have you? I can't even believe that. How's your fantasy team doing? Amazing. Really? I'm down to third place. I how gave many, up first how many place. People, how, many, how many are in the 14. League? What? Yeah. You're in third place. Like, I mean, how are you doing this? You don't know anything about football. That's the point. You're just picking randomly kind of. Points. I read the stats. Good for you. So you make trades when it's you're all math players and injured, injured reserve, and all the rest of that stuff. Yeah, you there's a be, lot of drama. You to go could back be and like uh, Billy Bean. You could. know what Billy Bean is? Who I watched he? the movie. Yeah, Moneyball. That is a great, great movie. You're smart. You get what we're trying to do here. Make an example for the younger guys. Be a leader. You can do that. Yes. All right. Let's move <laughs> on. We've got a great question today. 
Uh, but it is good to be back with you. I have missed the show for sure. All right, we got a great question from Ben. Ben, what do you got? D-I-Y! Hey, Quentin Daniel. Ben here. I'm 24 years old and currently live in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Six months ago, my fiancé and I decided to move from Milwaukee back to our college town of Oshkosh for me to take a new job. Since we moved, we've been renting a single-family home that was big enough for the two of us and had a great yard for our two-year-old yellow lab. After renting for three months, we reached out to our landlords to see if they would be interested in selling us the rental property. We felt it would be the perfect starter home for us in a great location, and with mortgage rates as low as they are, it seemed like a great time to buy. Fast forward to today, and I'm proud to say we will be new homeowners in just over a month, with the major benefit being we don't have to move. Now for my question. Within six to seven years, we plan to expand our family by either two feet or four more paws, and our starter home will no longer fit our needs. Because we live in a college town with a lot of young folks trying to move from an apartment to a home, we are thinking of turning our starter home back into a rental property for some additional income. What financial factors should go into our decision of either A, renting our starter home and using additional cash saved in the next six to seven years to buy or build our second home, or B, selling our starter home and using the cash and equity from that sale to buy or build our second home. For some additional basic background, I'm currently free from all debt and she will be by the end of 2021 beyond our mortgage. We took your advice and we're keeping our wedding very financially friendly and it will occur in the summer of 2022. Thank you both. I'm a huge fan of the show and I look forward to hearing your response. Boom. I love everything about this question. Especially Oshkosh. Oshkosh. How can you not be happy when you say that? I love, you know, the... We are expanding our family with two feet or four paws. Like, just... That was thoughtful. The heck of a dog if you're buying a new house for the dog. <laughs> Two feet and four paws? Well, I thought he said or. Did he say and? <laughs> no, no, no. He, he did say or. I don't, what do you mean the heck of a well, dog? If, you, if, you, if you're just getting a dog and not a kid, oh, you, that's a lot of house to, for a to dog. Make sure we have a bigger house yeah. for the actual dog. Yeah. I mean, the kid right. I understand, but the dog can suffer. I, uh, I love this on a variety of fronts, and I'm going to... I don't think I'm going to. I'll let Daniel maybe give a, a more of a black and white. I'm going to give you things to think about and consider. So the first and foremost thing you have to think about and consider, Ben, are you handy? All right. This is a qualitative question, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you are not okay fixing a toilet, uh, unclogging something, rewiring something, I mean, getting a phone call on Sunday night because whatever happened and the water line broke and you don't know who to call. If you don't know that stuff, I want you to stay very, very far away from rental real estate. It's kind of like restaurants. People who think, oh, I love to cook. I should open a restaurant. is a terrible idea. And the reason is, the reason most restaurants fail is, yeah, you love to cook. You have no idea about inventory management. How about perishable items that go bad if you don't use them? How much to order? What to, I mean, it's ridiculous. There's a business aspect to it. So if you are not handy, that's not your jam, just say rental real estate's not for me. Simple as that. If you are, if you are, Ben, if you are handy and you're okay with those sort of things, maybe you were a great tenant, you know, something broke, you took care of it yourself. That wasn't me. I called the landlord on a nanosecond, all right? I'm a, I'm a horrible tenant. That's why I knew I wasn't rental real estate. Point being is, if you are handy and that's your jam, you're patient with people, you can deal with people like that, you can handle unclogging nonsense, whatever, 
then this is actually a great setup. A very, very good scenario. It's a marketable property. How do I know that? You rented it. So obviously, someone else would would rent this sort of thing, right? So marketable property. A lot of people think, oh, I have a rental. I have a house. Let's turn it into a rental. Yeah, in an environment like we're in, maybe it's a great rental because everything would rent. But certain environments where the economy changes, that's not going to be the case. Hmm. Sounds like yours is. College town, awesome. Okay. However, I want to caution you on one thing. I don't like what you said here with additional income. I do not want you to think about this as a cash flow property just yet. I want you to think about this as a supplemental income to long-term retirement. And I want you, if you do this, to use any additional cash flow to pay down the mortgage. The best rental real estate, in my opinion and from observation, that I have witnessed are when people use the excess cash flow to pay off the debt and correlate that to retirement to when that property is then free and clear and just bringing cash flow to the bottom line. And the reason I say that is you have to have a buffer for when you have vacancies, you have to have a buffer for maintenance, you have to have a buffer for taxes, a lot of things that you may or may not be considering. And the idea that, oh, we're going to peel off an extra two, $300 a month in cash flow right now to help with the four paws or two kids or whatever it may be, I don't think you should do that. I think you pump it into the mortgage, pay it down completely, have it free and clear, and then you've got a very nice income stream in retirement that you don't have to worry about other yeah. than fixing a toilet every now and again. That what say sense. you, Daniel? Yeah, I think the qualitative about uh, fixing things up is important. That's why we sold our starter home. Uh, we had a 100-year-old uh, great starter home. And uh, pricing-wise and mortgage-wise, we were in a great place. It probably would have been a great rental, but it needed a lot of work. And if we had high-maintenance tenants, it would have been phone calls every one to two months about something needing fixed or this or that. And I hate fixing things now. Yeah. I have a light that's been out in my my home office for maybe three months. Do you want me to come change like, it's it? It's one light bulb. It's terrible. What are your kids doing? My kids can't fix a light bulb. It's not, it, it's like a problem. It's not like replace the bulb. There's a problem with it. I okay. have to call someone. So it's not oh, just a light bulb. I'm terrible at that stuff. Anyways, awesome. go on. You should just rent. I should. My wife is not into that though. No, she's not. I would not. get an RV. I would sell everything and live in a van by the river. I'm not even kidding. That's good. I would be divorced. (laughs) Go on. First off, I am 35 years old. I am divorced. Yeah, so that's definitely one thing that you want to think of. The other thing that you want to think of, if you are looking at turning this property into a rental and, and then buying another property in six or seven years, is that the bank may require you to have a period of time where you have income from this property. Uh, It can be a bit harder to move right from the property you're in into a new mortgage uh, that you're going to occupy and immediately turn a rental because the bank who is giving you the new mortgage on the new property wants to see and understand that you're going to be able to cover the mortgage on the old property with rent. And a lot of times, they're going to actually want to see some P&L for a couple months, if not longer, to actually verify that you're going to get the income that you're projecting. They don't just kind of go, oh, we believe your estimates. So uh, there may be a transitionary period there where you would have to rent for 6 to 12 months before you can then buy something else so that you can have this rental 
kind of up and going. We actually have a question coming up in our next podcast, which actually would would help Ben possibly in the future. So let's say six to seven years, Mm -hmm. he went through the scenario that you're talking about. Let's say lending is a little bit harder, rates are maybe a little bit higher, whatever the case may be. If you really wanted to, Ben, let's say you had paid down the mortgage on the rental quite a bit, you could maybe do a cash out refi or something along those lines, take that cash, buy your you know next home or whatever it may be. Uh, you could get creative with the financing, assuming you're staying responsible, it can be rented and you're not levering up you know, in a ridiculous housing market. You'd really have to look at the cash flow on that. In the first six to seven years of your amortization schedule, which is basically just your payment schedule for a mortgage, the first really five to six years, you're not paying a lot of your actual balance down. Uh, So that's, I I don't think Ben particularly doesn't understand this, but there's some people who don't understand that it's not like the same amount coming off of your balance every single month. In fact, if you go to say like bank rate or something like that and pull up an amortization calculator, a mortgage payment calculator, and it breaks down like what you're paying each month in interest and principal, what you'll see is that easily the first five years of a mortgage, each month you are paying tons of interest and pretty minimal principal in like the hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. rather, you know, out of a $1,500 mortgage payment or something like that. And so you kind of uh, project that out over the first couple of years and the equity that you think you're building up over those first couple of years may not actually be as great as you think. So just be cautious of that anytime you're going into one of these particular plans. That's why they, we haven't done any, we should do a show on this. Why, how quickly a mortgage can be reduced by, let's say, making a payment every two weeks, which effectively makes an additional payment. Mm-hmm. over the course of a year or making an additional payment every year and how that goes directly to principal and how over a period of time it can significantly reduce your your mortgage balance quickly because you're right you're, you're front loading the interest is basically what's happening yeah i mean if you're only paying say 150 to 250 dollars a month in actual principal in the first year and then after the first year you slap another payment of $1,500, you've effectively doubled the amount of principal that you're paying in the first year. These are really hypothetical numbers. I'm just kind of pulling them out of space. But you get the idea. You can make a bigger dent in that principal payment. Now, we've talked about on other shows, do you want principal uh, you know, equity sitting in the principal on your mortgage, or do you want that in your own accounts, having the cash flow and liquidity? So those are things that we want to understand as well. And I think we might cover that in some of the next show. I would say the last thing I, I like about this is that Ben and his fiance were creative in how to buy a home. They were renting. They realized, hey, this is a nice property. You know, maybe we would talk to the landlord. They had a conversation. They probably cut out a realtor. Nothing against realtors. We like many of them, but... Saves money on both sides. Yeah. So, I mean, get creative. I, I commend Ben. Ben's a sharp, sharp cat with a dog. Yeah. I like it. I mean, must have made the landlord happy. He was able to liquidate it, hopefully a good price. Yep. Maybe no real estate agent. I mean, it was, seems like it was good all around, and it's in a great location. I am from Oshkosh. Oh, boy, oh, boy. That place is perfect. The real McCoy. Oshkosh. Oshkosh. All right, let's wrap it up. Excellent show. Thank you so much for the question, Ben. We'll send you a $25 Amazon gift card. Hey, the queue is getting a little, little light in the queue. So send us those questions. We need audio questions. Video are preferred, and then we can throw you on YouTube as well. Send them to podcast at DIYmoney.org. Junior questions, always open for those. Haven't gotten any of those. That's unfortunate. Really enjoyed that one episode we did. 
Uh, and check us out on social, DIY Money Podcast, and all your social areas as well. Remember, friends, the secret to success is pretty darn simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest and do so for a very, very long time. Make it a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your questions aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.